Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22. This is my third attempt at starting this podcast. Take three. Take three. So, <laughs> so you'll have to pardon us if we're a little giddy. Yes, it's just, you know, they say a third time's a charm. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so we are having a bit of a departure today. We're talking about some stuff that we don't normally talk about on our podcast. I'm super excited for yours because I thought I would know more about it, but I have no clue. I know. So apparently Chris knew about it, and I got mad at him. I said, why did you not tell me this? He's like, because I thought you already knew. <laughs> I'm like, if I already knew, I think we would have had discussions at dinner about this. But apparently no. So my husband lives a double life. <laughs> so tell me this. He is secretly like this super like oh, maybe that's his real job. This is all just a front. Oh gosh, okay, okay, seriously, okay. So we're not doing and we're not talking about anything haunted or paranormal this time. We're actually gonna go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and and like not even conspiracy like UFOs and UFAs and and so many different acronyms going on right now. Oh, but got so, many so many acronyms. So Beth is doing something that's super cool, which I'm fascinated because... We could have done, like, four episodes on Oh, we could probably just do this in, like, one of my podcasts, you know, that I binge listen to is, like, you know, and that's why we drink. They talk about, like, the paranoia of men in black. And <laughs> uh, honestly, when I'm doing my research on mine, like, I started going down that rabbit hole, so I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking, like, everybody's going to watch me. But again, I told Beth, if the government were to look at my, like, web browser, they're, like, cat videos and, like, food <laughs> and, like... And, like, paranormal stuff. So, like, and she is boring. I'm just laughing because with me, they'd be like, oh, well, she breaks technology and she doesn't know what she's doing and she has bad eyesight. So, really, we're good. We're good. We don't yeah, have to worry They're about not it. a threat. They're well, not a threat. <laughs> just keep, keep on doing what you're doing. Just keep, keep doing you. Just keep tracking. But, yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited about yours. Like, yours is just fascinating because, like, that is just, again, I'm just been, I'm, I'm telling you, you know what you've, like, believe like in the universe happens and things happen for a reason and mm-hmm. people come to like I'm telling you like this whole like last week I was doing research and just listen to so many podcasts almost on the same topics of this so yeah. it's, it's interesting it's a lot deeper I think than people oh I yeah mean, especially in our generation because we kind of came into the world after it all kind of settled down mm-hmm. and it's a lot of stuff brushed under the it's, it's interesting how it's turned from I should just get into it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about... <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, I'm just going to stop talking just to get into it. I'm going to be talking about Canada's connection to the MK Ultra program. Oh. Which is really... We all know MK Ultra is that American program famous for LSD and electroshock therapy. There's all those... There's books about it, movies. You go down the rabbit YouTube hole. You can spend hours. So it's funny because I always think, oh, MK Ultra, huh, government trying to make psychics. Ooh, funny. But in reading it, it was like... Hu- like messed up it was mm-hmm. like human rights questionability like it was well it's happening right now people believe with the what's that technique they're they're trying to help people out-of-body experiences you know people are having the i know what you mean like uh oh remote viewing remote viewing thank you and like that's happening right now like a lot of people believe and there's a lot of people who are talking about that's going on right now so but anyhow i'm gonna stop talking i'm so excited yeah, you can yours, is, yours is like kind of kind of freaking me out because i've been kind of like down this rabbit hole oh, this week it's, so now. it's insane there's so many but it's it's so many theories about that and like the other one that i found hilarious is there's this well i don't know if you go on youtube there's all these videos about like celebrities quote-unquote glitching and they think it's mk ultra like a reborn mk ultra it's really it's it's well, down the youtube hole but, well that yeah. whole like app that they're using Apparently, they oh, said the it was face brushing. Scanning? Yeah, the face scan, like this, the aging you. They said it was a Russian company, but actually it was Chinese at the end. 
I, that's the trouble with the apps because they're so international into development these days. You never, well, you never know who's coming like, from. It's like the Pokemon Go that was funded by, or my partially Harry, funded by my Harry Potter one that I use. Yeah, I got to stop talking about this because I'm, I'm getting like panicky mm-hmm. thinking the U.S. government's going to okay. find me now. So basically, MK Ultra. I'm going to go back to the beginning. So just a bit of background history. MK Ultra first began as an attempt by the U.S. to devise mind control interrogation techniques following the Korean War. They did this because many of the POWs coming back from the Korean War were really disillusioned with the, the American way of life. And so they kind of were like, well, if our enemies have this, we should probably have this brainwashing kind of technique. And they initially they wanted to develop a truth serum. So something that would put them in such a lucid state that they would have to, I don't know if lucid's the right term, but such a state that they would just spill it all the beans. Mm-hmm. So basically these... MK Ultra experiments took place between 1957 and 1964. In total, there was 144 sub-projects in 89 different institutions, including many universities. In 1973, Richard Helms, who was the director of the CIA, destroyed several project records. However, in 1977, several boxes were uncovered, and it led to a Senate hearing in 1977 where the true purpose and the unethical nature of the experiments were finally admitted. Now, if you go to the CIA, you can actually Google MK Ultra, and they have a whole bunch of documents coming up. And you can get the entire 1977 Senate hearing online as well. Wow. So it's pretty, pretty open now. But what a lot of people, especially Canadians, don't know, some of the most infamous experiments that were undertaken within the hospital confines were performed at McGill University in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And for those of you who don't know, Montreal is like, McGill is like really... It's an institution. It's, an, yeah. it's definitely an educational thing or institutional education because like it has a whole high regard for like, you know, great, yeah. you know, great minds that come out mm-hmm. of McGill. Yeah. It's like, we don't have Ivy League up here, but we have like Queens and McGill and like those kind of, those are considered Ivy League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was MK Ultra. Yeah. And then basically the program is called MK Ultra Subproject 68. And I'm going to put up on our website an amazing interview that Adrienne Clarkson did in 1980 for a TV show we have up here called The Fifth Estate, where she interviewed two survivors. It's incredible. It's so well done. Go check it out. But we'll post it on our... Yes, yeah. It will definitely be posted. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's like, I thought, oh, it's going to be 80s camp. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Well, for 80s... It, was it, really it is what it was, you know, especially for production companies, especially Canadian production companies. Mm-hmm. Like, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. But the, yeah, but it was, it was really well done. Sorry, I'm going off on tangent. But in the 1990s, so I keep saying 1997 all day today. I want to go back, man. I want to go back to my childhood, apparently. I know. Maybe, maybe. Maybe Ultra does have. I know. Well, 1977, I'm going on <laughs> so off topic today. In that Senate hearing, it was revealed that doctors involved at the McGill University were not informed that the, of the project or that it was even being funded by the CIA. So they had no clue. So how does this happen? How does the Canadian government deny not knowing this? How does these people say we had no clue? The CIA set up fake foundations. And through these foundations, they sponsored research and sought out people who they thought would be of interest to them with their projects. Fake foundations? Fake foundations. I forget the name of one of them. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up and tell you guys after. But they'd set up, like, fake foundations. I'm just like, okay, it's like a fake camp. Send little Jimmy to... No, it was more like a, a philanthropal, like a philanthropal. That's not a word. Phil- Philanthropy kind of company. Yeah. <gasps> Canadian Tire. Tell you. <laughs> Canadian Tire with the money. That's what it was. See? And they have... And they, all that money was so you could hold on to so they could see your fingerprints and they scanned and that's how they got your information. <laughs> Maybe. Just saying. MKUltra, Canadian Tire. 
putting it out there. Well, the Canadian government completely denies Tim Hortons. People are addicted to their coffee. We have recently sold to an American company in the past decade. It's not Canadian anymore. And here's a fun fact for all of you. Apparently, I've heard word, word on the street. I don't know if it's true or not, but Tim Hortons old coffee supplier was bought out by McDonald's. So that's why McDonald's now sells the old Tim Hortons coffee that we grew up with. Meh. So I don't drink coffee, but anyhow, we're getting way off the topic. Yeah. I want to get back to it. <laughs> <sighs> you're right. Whoever wrote that comment that we go off topic too much, you are right. I apologize. <laughs> you are completely right. It's okay. So basically the CIA set up these bunch of foundations to funnel money and kind of infiltrate and understand these projects. It's almost like money laundering. Almost. That's what it sounds like to me, but because it's like, we can't technically fund this project because we're not the Canadian government. But, but yeah, exactly. So basically they went head hunting for people and researchers and projects they thought would fit with their goals. And one of them was in a doctor called Mr. Oh, I Cameron. I'm forgetting his first name. Dr. Donald Ewan Cameron, who was a leading psychiatric okay. researcher. He was like huge. Like people knew about him. He was really well respected, renowned. And he was actually the first director of the Allen Memorial Institute, which housed the psychiatric department of the Royal Victoria Hospital that was affiliated with McGill University. So he controlled the psychiatric department within a hospital that was partnered with McGill. So his main research was discovering the root causes of mental illness and finding ways to cure them. And his kind of big treatment was called de-patterning. So Julie Vanerpierre wrote this great article called Declassified Mind Control at McGill, and it's from the McGill Times. And she wrote, he believed that manifestation of mental illness, specifically schizophrenia, was a result of repeated patterns of socially unhealthy behavior. And he kind of concluded that it would occur by depattering these unsound habits. This depattering was meant to break down the patient's personality completely in order to rebuild it from scratch, which to us nowadays sounds crazy. And even back in the 60s, it was considered pretty radical. So his way to do this would put patients in prolonged periods of sleep, sometimes up to a month. And during that time, a month sleep. I don't think you'd want this sleep because during this time, you pump them full of barbiturates, LSD, and did large amounts of shock therapy, like sometimes twice a day. Like it's, and it's at levels sacrifice. that are twice more than what normal, normal, quote yeah. unquote. Like yeah. it was intense. It's horrible. So Cameron believed that they would be able to be retaught proper forms of interactions and behavior once you've got to that state. So creepily, this included repeating audio messages to reinforce positive messages while the patients were sedated. So they could listen through like thousands and thousands. I think in the Adrian Clarkson interview, they said up to 15 hours a day just listening to this message over. Like subliminal messages. Yeah. yeah. Subliminal. That's it. In a... Yeah. Subliminal? Yeah, subliminal. It's one of those words. It's hard to yeah. say. Subliminal. <laughs> so Cameron himself wrote in the Comprehensive Psychiatric Journal in 1962, the method consisted essentially of administration of two to four electroshocks daily to the point where the patient developed acute confusion, disorientation, <sighs> and interference with learned habits. Some of them included eating, bladder, and bowel controls. The patient may also show loss of second language or even knowledge of their marital status. And I told you, my friend who was institutionalized at Whippy Psych many years ago, he was there for mental health issues. Anyhow, friend of the family, and because of the amount of electric shock therapy he received, he actually lost his five motor skills. Oh, man. That's- and like, part of his memory, yeah, a lot of pieces of his memory he doesn't remember, which is it's what we know now. Yeah, it's definitely... And they still use it as a form. They do. They've changed it a lot. Absolutely. And Carrie Fisher talks a bit about it in a couple of her books, and she gives a really kind of she realistic did. view on 
current shock therapy. Yeah. Which is, bless her heart, she now passed away. Mm-hmm. They're with her mom now. Yeah. So even though these, these were considered extreme for the 60s, and it was pretty, pretty extreme, but it was published in journals, things like that. So finally, in the 1980s, several of his patients became coming forward about what they experienced and how it's still affecting them. Like one gentleman in the Andrea Clarkson interview went in for severe leg pain that they said was psychosomatic. And he ended up becoming a part of this program and developing like horrible anxiety. He couldn't remember things. It just went on and on. And it's estimated that about 80 patients wow. yeah, were affected by this program at McGill. Did they say how old they were? Most of the ones I saw were were of age. Probably just because of adults, probably. That's the other thing I'm going to get into in a second, because it talks about age. I'll get into that. Right in my mind. Get out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, in the 80s, several of the estimated 80 patients filed lawsuits against the Canadian government. And there was some initial hesitation because the government maintained that they didn't know about this at all. Eventually, they did provide compensation through the Island Memorial Institute Depatterned Persons Assistance Plan as a compassionate and humanitarian grounds. Okay. So they said they didn't acknowledge any legal responsibility, but as a compassionate humanitarian, they will fund that. And there is some debate over how much Canada knew, but in this particular articles I was reading, it was saying that through these funded things, so they didn't know. The other thing that I found really interesting is that Dr. Cameron was well aware of the Nuremberg trials and the mm. new the efficacy laws that came out of that. So he knew how to kind of walk that fine line, walk that line. So yeah, like I said, most people think of it as a very American thing, but it's actually, there's a quite a bit of history in Canada and just to tie it into the hauntings, haunted Montreal (laughs) states that the, the building where this happened, I think it's part of their haunted tour. It, it can is. also be disembodied voices. I say go and caretaker. Oh, perfect. So you know, I know. you know the whole story. So yeah. I'll put a link to that too. So this is just a very small snippet of Canada's involvement in a much bigger MK wow. Ultra. I'm not gonna lie, because every time we get this in Allen Memorial Institute, mm-hmm. I get to think of the Alan Parsons project, <laughs> which is so t- so very one, one is a wow. British band. One, but I don't know what every time we get this in, they like the Allen Memorial, like I thought the Alan since project you must have fallen asleep with like watching mk ultra with the music no in the idea oh but, talk about lsd and my like my trip right now but wow that was the other thing i found interesting I, like everything i assumed was like oh it's lsd but apparently that didn't work no as well as they wanted to so they really kind of quickly got rid of it early in the program well it's interesting how and why lsd was first created mm-hmm. yeah yeah i suggest you guys look up the history of lsd how it started when it started and why they started it so it's interesting for sure but that's a kind of a little canadian like i said we could go down the rabbit hole for i think we should totally do a whole thing like i like i said my whole but when you did the men in black the canadian men in black like yeah you got freaked out more than i did on that one because you know i just always i think it's just the black light it's like the you know black eye children i'm always freaked out by as well yeah like, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. If you guys listen to Midnight in the Desert, hosted uh-huh. by Dave Trader, they did an episode, I think it was past Wednesday, about, I feel, it's not within the topic, but somehow they got on to simulated reality and the Mandela effect, and it just, it was one of the best explanations I I've heard in a while. It. You need to listen to it. It is, it is awesome. Sorry, guys, I just totally kicked this. I heard that, but yeah, I, I, like, this is like a rabbit hole, and this is something completely off of our our repertoire, what we are repertoire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the thing that, as a stringer, this one gets me because it covers so much. It covers science, history, human rights, 
There's just international so boundaries. Much. There's so much to impact with that. So I really suggest you guys go check out some of the links and have fun. But also, another, your story kind of goes cross-border, too. It has a bit of a Canada-U.S. connection. Mine totally does. But before we do that, it is time for... Oh, my favorite. Our random Canadian facts. And now for some random Canadian facts. Okay, so... <laughs> I just did a little hand dance. You guys can see that I just did like this whole like weird something, whatever. So SFN Saskatchewan is reportedly reportedly the sunniest place in Canada with 2,537 hours of sunshine per year. Wow. Hmm? Hmm. So apparently I, I need to go there during the winter months because of sad. I think we only got like, I think they said for the month of January, February, I think we only got like five days of sun or something like that. Wow, really? Yeah, it was really low. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I like, I went like really low. I'm like, it was so dark. The two largest lakes. Now, this goes with my story. The two largest lakes in the world are found in Northwest Territories, the Great Bear Lakes, and the Great Slave Lake, which I always find was like a bad name, Slave Lake. Yeah. So, the two largest lakes in the world are found in the Northwest Territories, yo. So, that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Exactly. So now for my story. So my story, now, I'm actually pretty excited. So like when I found out about this, my story, I asked Chris and like, he's like, yeah, of course I knew about that. I'm like, really? How come you didn't tell me before? So anyhow, I'm going to be looking at our own North America's Bermuda Triangle. Now, a lot of people don't know that we actually have, it's called the Triangle of the Great Lakes. Now, a lot of people don't know about that. Yeah. I didn't know about this. I It sounds familiar, but I know nothing about it, which is shocking, because you know my obsession. I know. The history of Lake Ontario. Well, like, well, you know, I've heard, like, you know, we always think has a great unknown. It's such a large body of water. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Especially Niagara Falls. Like, there's just so much mm-hmm. there, right? But I never knew about this. I guess I live under a rock. Apparently, I live <laughs> under a rock. So, for somebody who likes a paranormal strange... This is new to me, so no, me, it's new to me too. So don't really feel bad. shame myself. So anyhow, I'm gonna get a lot of my, um, the lot of information I got is from Terry Boyle's book, which is great, The Haunted Ontario, but also to one of my favorite shows that went down the rabbit hole, which is in search of with the great Leonard Nimoy Spock himself. That's what I'm saying. We need to see if we can get Terry Boyle one day. He would be such. He passed day. away. Oh no! He died about five, six years ago. Oh, now. No. Yeah. Never mind. Then. Well, we could. With a planchette. We'll call him James. With a Ouija we'll board. James. We'll call James and like, yo, let's get the Ouija board. We gotta make a long distance phone call. I wanna get charged hourly a minute with that one. I can imagine. Uh, so, anyhow. I'm sorry. Crossover, here's your white Victorian dress. Here's your bill for the collect call. Here's your candle. Here's your shroud. Your shroud, your like your shawl that you so, wear, your candle. So for your Ouija long distance, you owe us about a hundred years of uh, work. So get I home. know. It's like top top. Top top. Sorry. I, oh no. I, I think that's actually funny. <laughs> distance from Ouija board. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Come on. Now? 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 Come on. Okay, now I can hear you. Okay, <laughs> that would fool you. Move the board a little to the left. Yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh my gosh. So like, children won't understand that reference? No. So for the past 200 years, or maybe even more, ships, planes, and people have mysteriously vanished into thin air. Unknown objects and lights have also been seen around this area, stricken across the sky. Now, again, I'm talking about the Great Lakes. So if you think about the Great Lakes that surround Canada to the U.S., it's almost, it does almost look like a, oh, it's a U-shape. I, I, I don't know why I'm doing I'm doing this a can shape to the microphone. Like, people, like, so people, one Picture day we'll this. video this, one day we'll video. So... 
It does make like a little bit of a basket. It makes like a basket, mm-hmm. right? But if you guys look on a map, and I'm going to be posting this on our Instagram and our, our social media feed, so you guys can kind of see the triangular awesome. kind of like phenomena that people are deeming as the or deeming it as a triangle of the Great Lakes. So the Great Lakes Triangle have claimed approximately six thousand shipwrecks, with a death toll up to thirty thousand lives. I can believe that. So, and you're thinking about like airplanes and ships. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be first going talk a little bit into the ships. So almost like I'm doing historically going through. Okay. So again, just like yours, I can go on for days about this. So it was really hard to condense this. I try to do, I try to my, to the best of my knowledge to condense this and try to pull the key points to create this, but it's, it was kind of hard. I'm not going to lie. Okay, we're going to have to do like a part two. A part two to this because just, I'm sure people have had their own experiences with this mm-hmm. because I actually asked my cousin who's a pilot if he had any experiences while flying through there. Maybe. You hear stories like I know growing up there was a story about several young people who took a boat out and then just never disappeared. Was gone. Yeah. And so I'm going to get into that and the reasons why behind it. Okay. So the Great Lakes Triangle is not nearly as known as, you know, the Bermuda, but it has been featured in many articles, books, and officially registered of the paranormal. So again, I actually got a lot of this. I actually listened to a little bit. I couldn't listen to all of it. It was a great podcast called Skeptoid. Oh, okay. Um, And they look at almost like theirs is like conspiracy theory and they kind of debunk a lot of stuff. It's actually more scientific. It's actually very cool. That's cool. If this episode goes back like 2006, so oh. it was kind of hard to get into their mm-hmm. archives. So I took a little bit from them, but mostly from the search of the television program hosted, like I said, by Leonard Nimoy. You guys can actually YouTube it, and it's actually entitled The Great Lakes Triangle, which aired in November 2nd, 1978. Like 41 years, like basically like 41 years, yeah. So the show has and it has the best theme music. It, it really does. I didn't believe it until you showed me, but yes, it does. It's up there like with its great cheesiness of the 70s and 80s. Oh, stellar. So good. Stellar like production money there. Another person who I did, I was looking into, and I'd love to get his book. Now, it was a well-known book by an author named Jay Gourlay. I think I'm pronouncing the name. <laughs> He's an author, journalist, and a highly trained pilot and a flying instructor. He wrote the book called The Great Lakes Triangle. It was released back in 1977. He was actually on the show on In Search of. No way. Yeah, and he actually, he was like actually predominant. Like he was the main researcher behind this. Wow. It's advised that the triangle was deadlier than the Bermuda Triangle. In the first chapter, Goulet reveals the number of incidents recorded in this region is greater than the Bermuda Triangle. According to the Rear Admiral, the U.S. Coastal Guards, approximately 86 planes, so like 86 mm-hmm. airplane disasters and 45 ship disasters. And this is like not even like, this is just recently, like I think with the last, I think, 50s to 60s. But in terms of the historically altogether, mm-hmm. it's, like I said, thousands. I like it's that. thousands. Yeah. Like I said, like 6,000 ships were in a, ship, in a shipwreck or gone missing. That's crazy. Accent is going back to the 1800s. So known to sailors and others. So if there's apparently a theory that they call the Marysburg Vortex, coined in the Hugh Cochran's book in 1980 called The Gateway to Oblivion. It's out of print. Unfortunately, I was looking at it and oh. it was like, it's like one of those like classic, like 
when you see the picture, it looks like it has the plastic kind of like cover and seal with a library sticker on top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, felt like when you're back in university and you had to get a book, yeah. and you know, like you had to get an out of print book. So when you went to the library, you're like, oh my God. But it was like 80, almost 80 bucks. Wow. Cochrane's accounts began back in 1883 when the ship was named Quinlan, sailed out of Osawaga, New York Harbor, loaded with coal. The ship was headed on course straight through the middle of what is now known as, well, what they deemed it as Marysburg Vortex. Nobody could have foreseen the bizarre, unusual events that was waiting for the crew. This is the best. This is the fate. Like the, this I got quotes from Terry Boyle. This is the best quote. Her fate. It seemed it was sealed the moment she was out in the open water. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a that's quote. kind of like that's, that's a little it's, dramatic. Yeah, I know it is, right? I'm like, especially like it's very ominous. So the Quinlan sailed right into the thick fog bank. The ship was engulfed with a thick blanket of moisture. Apparently, they say when it went through, so it's apparently going right through the this you know Great Lakes Triangle. Yeah, it was engulfed by moisture, like a thick fog and all this moisture. The temperatures plummeted, and all of a sudden, ice formed all through the ship. Oh, my God. The crew were trying to clear off the deck as much as they can, but it was just a thick layer of ice. They couldn't do it. It was getting slammed and chopped yeah. by the all of a sudden the, the wind, and the water was throwing the ship like a rag doll. Oh it got slammed against a rock and actually split. <gasps> the hull and ship split. That's, that's crazy. I know. So the quail was gripped with a steer by something. Like they said, so it was like this unknown force through the vortex. Witnesses on the land watched the ship mass or snap. Sorry, it snapped, and the hull eventually split. Eventually, sorry, it split. Eventually, the Quinlan was tossed on the rocks on the shore. A few of the crew members, sorry, the few of the crew members were rescued, while others have never seen again. Oh my god! So you can imagine the, these people watching yeah. the witness and this as it's happening, and they're seeing the ship like thrown around like a rag doll, slammed against the rocks. Like, it looked like oh they said gosh. it was like something just overtook it. A handful of survivors agreed that the ship had been gripped by an odd attraction. In 1889, a ship named Armenia, Armenia, I'm going to say Armenia, sailed out of Kingston Harbor at the end of May in search of the missing vessel named Bavaria. When the captain found the missing vessel, the crew called out for anyone who might be on the ship. So mm-hmm. imagine, so you have yeah, these guys there. going for another ship. It's been missing. Apparently, when they found the ship, they were calling out because they, they, they just they found this missing ship, mm-hmm. but there was nobody on it. So they all abandoned ship and then just disappeared. But this is the weird thing. So you think. They called out and they said they they were answered by signs that Bavaria was indeed a ghost ship. But not a one soul was on it. And I think, I'm not sure if it was this ship, the other one. They still had their boats attached. You know, their their The dicky boats and life rafts were still attached. Right? That's creepy. That is creepy. So that is just like, like, again... This is just like a few of the ships I was going into. Like I can, again, go down this rabbit hole. Then another, in June 1900s, a ship named Picton sailed into course through Marysburg Vortex. Following the close proximity were two other ships, the Menace and Arcadia. The crews of the both ships were disbelieved when they witnessed. So these are now ship crews. Like, so you're, I'm talking about seamen and mm-hmm. captain, or I know, seamen. <laughs> so that's such a child. <laughs> so you have these people on the ship mm-hmm. witnessing. So there's two different ships watching this one ship. Wow. So it's watching the Picton going through this vortex. And they said, this is a weird thing. The following through proximity, the ships, the, uh, the Menace and the Arcadia, the crews of both ships were disbelieved when they witnessed the Picton vanish right before their eyes. That's crazy. 
So this I'm two not, ships sailing it's aliens. I know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. So I'm thinking like, okay, is this bullshit? But you're having like counts. Like this is 1900s. There's like, yeah. there's like what? Maybe 200 witnesses watching this, right? Like I would say maybe, oh, I want to say 200, but you have tons of witnesses yeah. on this. Yeah. who are watching this as it's happening while it just disappears. So, and then in 1915, the F.C. Burns also sailed along the shore of the Lake Ontario, headed for Kingston. Witnesses remarked, while watching the ship grin shorts, it seemed to disappear into a cloud of mist. It's always the mist. I know. Like, I know. That's exactly. Like, you have this mist, like the first one that like, yeah. it, it was engulfed by this mist. Then the temperatures plummet, icicles formed, and everything got, you know, smashed because of the ice and the force yeah. of what was pushing it around. But, like, there's three ships, like, well-known ships that have been documented. And these are documented ships. They're like, oh, we're going to go pull. Like, these are yeah. all well-documented ships because we know the ship's lodged, right? Yeah. Like, when they have the uh, the harbor, they, yeah, they actually document well. everything. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So that is just one. Because that's just a few of the ships. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about some planes. So two of the most famous ones that have happened. And, again, this is going back. I was trying to do some more research. I was trying to find more about recent ones but i couldn't really find any so if you guys do know if any recent disappearances like aerial or even like by ship have gone missing please let me know so like so fast forward to modern day advances airplanes many commercial flights have also disappeared on a clear day in august 16th 1965 united airlines plane as a 389 boeing 727 plane was flying from new york to chicago all recorded by the control center for NORAD, right? So mm-hmm. they are the ones who control. So they have, this is, again, you can actually go online and you can actually get full wow. documents of this. It's, like, it's all recorded, right? Because, you know, the black boxes and because now we have technologies, modern technologies, like yeah. people were able to talk. So the pilot was able to talk to the control. So like I said, it was flying from New York to Chicago. The sky was clear. The pilot was in contact with the flight control the whole way. It was descended normal when all of a sudden the, the like, plane mm-hmm. started to descend and it flew right into Lake Michigan. And up to that point, it was a co-pilot that was basically flying the plane because the pilot, main pilot was basically watching the controls. Mm-hmm. It was on, you know, on the plane because it's not a far distance, like from Chicago to New York or New York to Chicago, it's not too far of a flight. You could basically send one end to the other up in the air right. and everything was clear. And all of a sudden when he was descending, Going down through, you know, coming down normally, over yeah. normally, it disappeared. That's creepy. So they said that when I watched In Search of Things, mm-hmm. the, what's his name now? I'm forgetting his name. Uh, da, 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 da. This is so bad. I should really remember his name. Okay. <laughs> the one who wrote the book, Jay Gurley. He's the one who said that when you're flying, you should be able to see, goes, especially when it goes, when you're flying through the, in the passage, it goes one side you see Buffalo, once air you see Canada. It goes when you fly from you know New York to Chicago, it's pretty a direct flight. It goes like yeah, there's not a lot. There's between. not a lot in between, right? Just the lakes, but it's a pretty straightforward yeah. path. It disappeared. There's no reason for this odd occurrence. Again, all of this again was recorded. Same thing happened a few years later to a flight two twelve Delta Conair flight. Three, is that 3272 also happened. So there's a Delta flight mm-hmm. that actually went down to, and mysteriously went That's down. so weird. I'm excited to hear what you think caused this. So, now, again, 
these are just few of many hundreds of stories. Mm -hmm. These are two well-known, documented, recorded, like literally recorded documentations of flights that went down. And again, they have no idea. So this is what people believe some of the causes. So Jay Gorley discussed about the, it's called an aragonic line, which is an imaginary line around the Earth passing through both the North Pole and the North Magnetic Pole. At this point, which can basically encompass the shows of true north. So they believe that sometimes at this point, it's almost like a quake that will happen along the, you know, agonic plates, whatever, the agonic line. And basically what happens, it kind of, remember when we watched that movie, The Dead Won't Die, when all of a sudden the earth starts to rotate, rotate, you know, it starts rotating. The polar ice started to Exactly. Yeah. Same. So they believe it does this momentarily thing where it throws off. That throws off all the, you know, the instruments, Mm -hmm. everything, and everything gets pulled down. So sometimes the magnetic pole will pull down and how planes go down for no reason. So this is explain why they couldn't find it in the lake. Right? So that is one theory, right? So people, this is the scientific brain that people think, you know, agnolotic, agnolic line, agnolic line. Oh, I have no idea how to say that. Uh, Agnolic. Agnolic, yeah. So the same line also runs through the Bermuda Triangle. Okay. So the same line that they run through the Bermuda Triangle is the same one that also runs through the Great Lakes Triangle. Okay. So this is where the correlation people see, like, where this stuff happens, right? Because that's why planes disappear all of a sudden and ships in the Bermuda Triangle. I thought they thought the newest thing with the Bermuda Triangle was that it's like a release of a certain type of, like, gas from under the sea. Okay, is it coming? Okay, I'm so okay, excited. It's not right. gas, not gas. Okay. But it's funny, but you, you're right. So that, that's why, they, but they, but this, the line is basically yeah. also to a very, it's a natural phenomenon, right? Yeah. So, because it, 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 like I said, it'll do this weird shake thing and people like mess up. The, so it says, yeah, so the magnetic quakes, which messes the gravitational pull, which causes airplanes and devices to go wonky and things to crash. Okay. Another thing people believe is this vortex. Okay. That's why I was saying the Marysburg, like the, the magic vortex, or like the gas vortex. Well, they say Marysburg vortex. This okay. is the vortex that discussed. You know, Terry Boyle discusses right. in his book. They also talk about in the search of things, and also in Jay's book, they actually do talk about this vortex. Okay. What do we know? They say it's like this black hole vortex. So crazy. So that is one other theory. They also said that that there's like iron ore. There's like a large. Yeah, this is the Great Lakes have this heavy deposits of iron ore. Mm-hmm. Which is similar to what you're talking about, how this really, this gases of... Because, yeah, the one I saw on the Grand Tiger, it was like, almost like these underwater volcanoes that release, I, I want to say methane, but that's not the right one, from underneath, mm-hmm. and it goes up, and it's enough that it causes all the plane instruments to get all screwed up. Mm-hmm. And then it also, I, I don't know, you guys go watch. Uh, I, I want to hear more about this. Story. So, but, no, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so, the, a lot of people are pointing towards a more of a... Like natural phenomenal okay you know like an iron ore which is an element you know just like yes, element. and saying. so and the agnotic line as well which are two natural phenomena that people believe but also the vortex like that vortex seems to be the most common one because like they just disappear that's so crazy disappear so it's it's a weird thing so there was also with the interesting thing because of now of advanced technologies and because mm-hmm. People have actually stated seeing weird anomaly and weird lights over the light, uh, like the waters, oh. especially when the planes go down. So I call it the UAP, which as you guys know is an unexplained aerial phenomenon or a UFO. 
Gotcha. And that seems to be the new coin phrase is yeah. a UAP. A UPA. The UPA. Is that UPA? A UPA. UAP. A UAP. <laughs> it doesn't flow as much as UFO does. UAP. I call it UAP. There we go. UAP. So these UAPs are actually known to be seen flying over during really? a crash or disappearance. That's interesting. So now is it aliens or is it military? Exactly. Oh God, so, so and that is my story of the Great Lakes Triangle. That I'm going to go home now and lose like 20 hours of my life. Thank oh, you. This is again, I am not kidding you. It was so hard to cold note. I can only it's like, I had a cold note like my book and as much as I can to condense because we're only like, this could be a 15 hour show if we, if I were to continue to talk about this. Just on a side note, while you were talking, I, you Googled as my uh-huh. friend Derek Zoolander says, and Gateway to the Oblivion, the Great Lakes Ruin Triangle is actually very available at the Toronto Public Library. They have three and copies. I am placing on a hold today. So there you go. That may, that maybe that'll be our spectacular read. Oh <gasps> yes, yeah, this episode should be out. So by the time, it's, yeah. So this is this one's spectacular read. Yes, please do. We should all read this. Actually, we should all read this and get back. This is Portland. It'd be like the Oprah's Book Club. Club, yeah. <laughs> just like the Portland Group. No one's requested this book for five years, and all of a sudden we have like ten people, <laughs> including one's my mom. <laughs> like, oh, her mom, her husband. <laughs> my mom is gonna get this book now, but yeah. So I am more. I know. I like. I honestly, I'm truly fascinated. I'm fascinated and just mad at Chris. <laughs> Tilton tell, tell, tell me, he's like, yeah, you didn't know about it. You were so nonchalant. <laughs> I know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but he was like I so nauseous. Like, yeah, I've heard about it. Of course, I, haven't you? How did we not like? I knew Ontario, like Ontario, has a huge, huge reputation. I know. Yeah, it's huge, and because the undercurrents are so crazy that it's hard to find stuff once it goes down. And they actually did talk about that in the search of things. They were talking about Niagara Falls, and they actually believe the part of this when they were doing the research. They talked about this in the show. Is that the First Nations people believe it was this large like sturgeon monster, right. which which is funny because. That was our one Your of monsters. Our, my yeah. monster, my cryptid monsters. I did talk about. So they believe that monster was one of the reasons why ships went down. Interesting. What oh, the First man. Nations believed in. This is crazy. They believe that. So it makes me really not want to fly out of Porter now. <laughs> we have oh, that airport, gosh. Toronto Island Airport, Billy Bishop. It's amazing. It's it's such a nice airport. Yeah, free beer. It's it's right on Lake Ontario. Free drinks. Does that free drinks? It's been a while. I don't remember. I went at like when I left. From there, it was like at seven o'clock in the morning, so it was yeah. a lot of snacks. Yeah, it was free drinks and uh, snacks, and I mean, I had a super short flight too, so I think we got like a Kit Kat bar and then we landed. That's so better than I think. I was very excited. So, anyhow, I'm obsessed with this now. Like, I am going down this rabbit hole of like paranormal, not paranormal, UF, like UPAs, and we're gonna switch next week. You're gonna come all MK Ultra, and I'm gonna be all Bermuda Triangle Triangles, and it's gonna be. So, if you guys have heard anything of this, if you have family members who know about this or have had their own experiences mm-hmm. of either, please let us know because I am just like truly fascinated by this and I'm sorry if I went rush through this and if I mumbled through it because I just got so excited while doing this and I know I did not give the story more justice than it deserved because it's just so much to go and cover yeah that's craziness huh? hmm. well I know what my plans are for the rest of the night yeah I'm actually gonna go see Lion King now so it's so good so good you're gonna love it I wish oh it's beautiful it's just so beautifully done. I know. I'm really, really excited. That's my mom. And she and means the musical, not the, not the not movie, which that's is the live animation one. No, yeah. I'm actually going to go see the musical. 
Yes, I'm really excited about that. Oh, you have to. Really That's have my to birthday get. gift. So I'm like, what? yeah, your birthday's coming up. I think we might have one more episode out before your birthday. I think it's just after our birthday, so it'll be like our. Should be almost like a birthday month kind of thing, like because your birthday's in September, so it should be yeah. like August is my birthday month, September's your birthday month. I like to celebrate all week long. Me too. It's my birthday week. I'm gonna be celebrating <laughs> my birthday week as well. But I'm actually gonna make it a birthday month because I could for you. Why, why not? Right? Why not? Go for it. Exactly. On the movie topic, I'm just going to throw this in. I saw, what was that movie that we were making fun of? Creep? Crawl. Crawl. The, I went to see Crawl, and I'm going to be honest, I went in with really low expectations thinking it was going to be awful. Well, we did make fun of it when you and I saw the oh, previous Oh, completely, because the preview is ridiculous. But if you're looking for a short movie that's just a good fun, like, how are we going to get out of this movie? It wasn't bad. It was better than I thought it would be. Hmm. So, I mean, it's definitely not gonna change the face of cinema in any way but if you're looking for like just like you have like an hour and a half two hours to kill and you want something late and fun go see it it was good well i'm excited because part of my birthday we're gonna be doing the my birth i think the night before my birthday actual mm-hmm. birthday we're actually gonna have like a sleep like a little party get together with girls and we're gonna be watching like classic we're gonna be watching our horror movies that we want to watch so. that'll be good so be good. i'm excited about that so Okay, crawl. Good to know. Yeah. Duly noted. Do not. Yeah, whoever made that movie, I apologize for making such fun of it. Oh, and by the way, it <gasps> chapter two comes out so next month. I just rewatched it last night, <sighs> the nineteen eighties one. Oh, it is classic. It it's 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 so good. It's it's pretty bad. It's good. Yeah. It's cheesy. Like by today's standards, it's it's ridiculous. But oh, Tim Curry. Tim Curry was amazing. amazing. It's, it's like a study yeah. just to watch the difference between what we considered scary back then compared to what we see as a freaky clown now. So we talked about what makes clowns scary back then compared to today. But also about it. Yeah. Chapter two. Now, I was just in L.A. a few weeks ago, and I went to this great exhibit. My friend Ali told me to go check it out. It was called I Like Scary Movies. Anyhow, so there's an interactive horror movie, and they had this huge section of like, it. Amazing. And they had this wall, and you're supposed to write down your fears. So, wrote down your fears. Look what I got you. <gasps> it's a Pennywise coin. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna take a photo and post this so people can see. I know. How cool are? How cool is this? That right. Is so cool. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh! This is amazing. Hmm. So you had to write a penny for your fears, not a penny for your thoughts. Oh. So I thought it was the coolest thing ever. That is pretty so, cool. how many spiders were on there? Like millions. You know, Chris put down no. Drake. <laughs> Legit fear. Legit fear. I think I put down the president. <laughs> and there's a lot of, oh, the best of sparkly vampires, spiders. Oh, sparkly vampires. My mother in law. <laughs> oh, I like my mother in law. I know. And so it was like, this actually was hope, but like Chris and I were just killing ourselves, like That's watching so all these, like, or just rather reading all these, like, deadly fears. Because I gotta be honest, I don't write my fear down on real fears down on that one. Death one was like, you know, dying alone, the Aww. dark, which is like truly like clowns and people had truly legit fears. Yeah. I just, I find it, I, fascinating how much of an impact on our society it had this tv miniseries from yeah. like the late 80s or early 90s just 90s, changed yeah. it all mm-hmm. that's so cool that exhibit's awesome you should post some more photos i know i will amazing. post more photos on our instagram about my experience in my exhibit there i was just so happy to go see you know the shining which is like one of my favorite films one of my favorite books and films and beetlejuice which i was just oh that's your game Oh, I'm really waiting for Beetlejuice the musical to come to Toronto. This should be interesting. It should be pretty good. I've heard good things. About Angelina it. went to go see our friend of ours, went she? To go, and she said it was the best. She was in New York. Awesome. She saw it. 
So we're waiting for you. Come on over. We should be soon. We're usually the next stop after New York. So So before we go, I was thinking, you know, those, those subscription boxes that people get, I get one. I was thinking about this the other day, as I always do when I'm driving, I always have like, like ideas, you know, like that, that show I'm like, SNL, like deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Like, <laughs> so mine was like a deep thought. I was saying like, we should really have a teacher box. Like every month, a teacher one. subscription box. That would be, no, but why we're are you curating it because we are curating. We're trademarking it. We're trademarking it. Why are you putting this out on the internet? it. I would like to create a teacher subscription box. They do have some. Do they? But it's do they have booze in it? Because mine would have things like... <laughs> wine a okay. box of wine yeah. coffee no we'll see like they're all like useful things because that's for the classroom yeah. i'm talking about for the teacher like the teacher needs stuff to survive <laughs> alcohol caffeine <laughs> gum snacks that's funny you choose your favorite snacks so well, i don't know why you're putting this online this is this is something you should be keeping keeping under your no, lid until oh no but just i'm just saying we should do Somebody's out there. I'm more creative, but just anyhow. So we really need a teacher. Well, pick me up. Yeah, you know, every month you get excited and you get like, oh, awesome subscription box. Like I have my wine, I have my coffee, I have chocolate, I have everything I need. Yeah, that could work. I wish I liked wine. There's a lot of like culture around wine. Yeah, it's like it's okay. There's a lot of good puns. There's not as many good puns for other stuff. Just so many puns with Jesus and wine. It's amazing. Have you seen that one where there's a it's like it says water it's like at a grocery store or somewhere and it's like it says a bottle like it says water but it's like all these balls of wine it says <laughs> i see jesus was here <laughs> that's pretty funny that's some good catholic humor there mm-hmm. oh. anywho so thanks for listening yes. and tuning in for episode 22 do listen to our next 23 that is going to be our spookiversary we forgot to mention that it is going to be our spookiversary so next episode is going to be our one year spookiversary so that's anniversary and spooky because we're, because I'm a nerd uh, and I'm a geek. So anyhow, I'm excited about that. So tune yeah, well, in and we'll catch you later. Stay we might, spooky. We might do something ghosty. Who knows? Maybe, who knows? The world is our oyster. MK Ultra. What? Who's listening? Nobody. <laughs> quick. Bye, guys. Quick, quick. Again, oh, by the way, I was Googling my, I was Googling all my computer, so that's what those clicks are. <laughs> so it's not actually. <laughs> that's just me Googling. Googling. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Stay spooky. Bye.